Hello, people. So take a minute here. This is Michelle Pilar. book out. It's called Untangled as well as the CD, which is four or five years old now. Um, and she is going to be our guest tomorrow night. So I thought I'd give you a little sneak preview of that because um, I think some of you are going to really enjoy this interview. You might want to get her book. 
um, and read her story and and just learn a little bit more about her. You know, it's interesting because um, she's been around a long time, haven't we all? <laughs> Some of you a lot longer than me, just so you know. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, Michelle Pilar has been, been around for a while and, um, and she was pretty big in the Christian music industry uh, many decades ago. And then she kind of fell out. For, she took herself out of the, the industry for a while, got some help for herself, got, got into recovery. And that's what her book is about. It's about her life. Um, and uh, anyway, tomorrow night, hopefully, Lord willing, if it all goes well, she'll be here live on Zoom with me uh, doing an interview about her book. So I thought I'd let you know ahead of time so you can maybe invite a friend or two who has... Uh, uh, maybe they need some encouragement, you know. Um, so there you go. Uh, and I have to say, if after the show, go look up her on YouTube. Uh, her whole Untangled CD is on there on YouTube. So that song you just heard, it's called Untangled. You could look it up. It's Michelle with one L and Pilar, P-I-L-L-A-R. And, but one of my favorite songs of hers from the olden days is he rolled away the stone um and that's that's on youtube as well you can go listen to that um because you know it's just fun classic stuff which is which is fun to do the one that um i remember getting all the airplay back in the days of kyms you know yes back then was uh look who loves you now oh yeah yeah look who loves you now the smile on her face and her feet on the ground. Or no, they were they feet on the ground, the head in clouds, smile on her face, something like that. Anyway, it's been a while. You should sing <laughs> it tomorrow when she's here. Well, I kind of, it's been like, I haven't heard it in like, <laughs> what, well, you could, 30 you could, some years? You could I go ahead and look it up and refresh. Good. Hey, I sang with Sherry Keggy when she came on the show. True. I was just talking to her a couple, yeah, two days ago. Me and Sherry were having a conversation on Facebook. Um, and anyway, just <laughs> connecting with all the 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 this the classic Christian celebs in music. Um, it's kind of fun, and it's fun when you know they become your friend too. It's kind of neat. Um, all right, so tonight what we're gonna do is we are gonna look at some headlines of the day and. Um, I thought a lot about tonight's show. I, re I mean, I think all week long about what I'm going to talk about. Um, and tonight what I want to do is I want to talk to you about some stuff coming out of the White House. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, um, and, and this is strictly, what I'm reporting here is strictly the news, but it's, it's, it's going to, I'm going to show you some stuff that you don't know. Okay. I'm, I'm gu I guarantee you don't know this. And, Unless you're a geek <laughs> and you're like reading the bills and proclamations the White House puts out. Otherwise, you aren't going to know this. Um, so the first thing I want to do is I do want to uh, read. Um, I'm thinking, yeah, I think I should do this. No, I don't know if I want to do that or not. I'm debating. I think I will start with the proclamation that the president put out for a prayer for peace. For Memorial Day 2021 um, and this was actually today May 28th uh, and and I will commentate during this so just so you know 
Okay. And it is normal. It is very normal. Uh, I will tell you why I decided to go to the White House got dot gov. Don't go to the other one. Go to whitehouse.gov. <laughs> and I was looking for his proclamation for Gay Pride Month. That's that's what led into this discussion that we're going to have. Um, because under the Trump administration, uh, they did not advocate for that. Under the Obama administration, they did. Under the Clinton administration, they did. Under the Bush administration, they didn't. I think you see a pattern, right? So, um, so that's why I went to the website because I wanted to see what was out there. But as I started reading through the website, looking at the different proclamations and bills that have been passed into law behind your back or right in front of your nose, but you're not paying attention to, uh, I came across some interesting stuff. So this is from the White House's website. Okay. On Memorial Day, we honor and reflect upon the courage, integrity, and selfless dedication of the members of our armed forces who have made the greatest sacrifice and service to our nation. Whether in the waters of the Pacific, on the beachheads of Europe, in the deserts of the Middle East, or in the mountains of Afghanistan, American service members have given their lives to uphold our Constitution and to defend the safety and freedoms of our citizens. These patriots embody the best of the American spirit. They put themselves on the line for our shared values, for duty, honor, country, and they paid the ultimate price. Our nation can never fully repay the debt we owe to our fallen heroes and their families. Okay, remember Memorial Day is to honor those who died in battle, basically. Okay. Jill and I know what it means to have a child serving in a war zone. The ever-present concern for your loved one and their fellow service members. Today and every day, we ask God to protect our troops. We also recognize the tremendous loss endured by America's Gold Star families, the families of military members who died in conflict. We have a sacred obligation as a nation to support those families and to always honor the memories of their loved ones. That is the vow we make each year on Memorial Day. Our nation will never forget the courage and patriotism demonstrated by the countless women and men who laid down their lives so that we may continue to peru or pursue a more perfect union and to protect the unalienable rights of Americans hold dear. They came from every part of the country, of every background and belief, united by a shared belief in our uniquely American creed, that all people are created equal. We will honor their legacy by continuing our work to live up to that commitment and to advance the values they lived and died to defend. We will continue to fight for equity and inclusion in our country and institutions and ensure every qualified American who is willing to serve our country, regardless of race, religion, gender identity, sexual orientation, or background, has a fair and equal opportunity to do so. And this is where I take issue with this proclamation, because Mr. Biden should know better. Okay, first of all, gender identity is made up. Sexual orientation is also made up. Okay, this is made up LGBTQ, ABCDFG language. Um, and in the olden days, if somebody had a gender identity problem to be in the military, they would not have let them in the military. Also, the same thing with their sexual orientation issue, right? 
sexual orientation issue. This is what drives me nuts about the Democratic Party. Just saying. Um, it, 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 okay, anyway. So I take issue with that part. Continuing here. Wait, I also have to say. I also take issue with this, too. I'm just going to back up just a little second here because I should have just said it when I read it, but I didn't. And 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 maybe it's because um, I'm a woman. I take issue with this. But it says here, um, our nation will never forget the courage and patriotism demonstrated by the countless women and men who laid down their lives. Okay. Now, I don't know about you. Maybe I'm an old fogey or something. But honestly... If they want to put men and women in there, I think men should be first. Okay? That's just my opinion. And maybe I'm being nitpicky, but I think men, when I think of military, I think men. Yes, there's tons of women in the military, but it just bothers me that they put women first. And I, I have a, I, you know, whoever the speechwriter was, whoever wrote this, it wasn't Biden. Biden didn't write this. It was some speechwriter writer who wrote this. I wouldn't be surprised if the person works for the vice president. Anyway, um, <clears throat> that, so that just kind of bothers me, but that's, yeah. Anyway, in honor and recognition of all our fallen service members, the Congress, by joint resolution, approved May 11, 1950, as amended, 36U.S.C.116, has requested that the President issue a proclamation calling on the people of the United States to observe each Memorial Day as a day of prayer for permanent peace and designated a period on that day when the people of the United States might unite in prayer and reflection. The Congress, by Public Law 106-579, has also designated 3 p.m. local time on that day as time for all Americans to observe in their own way the national moment of remembrance. Now, therefore, I, Joseph R. Biden Jr., uh, <laughs> President of the United States of America, <coughs> Sorry. Do hereby proclaim Memorial Day, May 31st, 2021, as a day of prayer for permanent peace, and I designate the hour beginning at each locality at 11 a.m. of that day as a time when people might unite in prayer and reflection. I urge the press, radio, television, all other information media, all other information media, huh, to cooperate in this observance. I further ask all Americans to observe the National Moment of Remembrance beginning at 3 p.m. local time on Memorial Day. I request the governors of the United States and its territories and the appropriate officials of all units of government to direct that the flag be flown at half-staff until noon on this Memorial Day on all buildings, grounds, and naval vessels throughout the United States and in all areas under its jurisdiction and control. I also request the people of the United States to display the flag at half-staff from their homes for the customary forenoon period. In witness whereof, I have hereunto set my hand this 28th day of May in the year of our Lord, uh, 2021, and the independence of the United States of America, the 245th. So I don't have a problem with that part, but I do find it interesting I do find this fascinating. Um, I just find it fascinating. <laughs> I don't know if I'm the only one that finds it fascinating or not. But that was the proclamation, again, titled uh, A Prayer for Peace, Memorial Day 2021. I think the irony of it to me is that you have the media 
and the White House and Congress and everything in cahoots together to create division in the world, especially America. And so to have a prayer for peace proclamation put out on Memorial Day, which includes people in the proclamation that in 1950, there would have been no way in the world they would have been included in the proclamation. It, it just reeks of stupidity to me. I don't know what you think, Randall. I think just the opposite is brilliance. It's well, it's, <laughs> it's brilliant to people who don't know anything, and they're like, "No, no, oh no, 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 no!" I'm not brilliant to people. No, it's just <laughs> you talked about the the media, you know, the the well, the three ring circus in Washington D.C. <laughs> and the yeah. the fourth branch of government. You the wonder main, why I don't cover politics a lot. This is why the, the, the snarky part of me comes out. The, the fourth stream of the fourth branch of government, the mainstream media, right? You know, all in cahoots, as you said. To cause division, you know, make us um, uh, discontent, and uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, and so we have in there, rather than you might go, wow, it's, it's united, it's all inclusive, but by including sexual orientation and gender identity, it's to it's tick off the conservatives, and then when he signs it in the year of our Lord, right, it offends the. <laughs> liberals oh this is gonna get good i'm gonna share with you something though that just and and so and so yeah that um it's just it's more of the same it's yeah. more of the same clever ways to keep the infighting going while the while the uh oligarchy rises above it all anyway back to you yeah okay all right. How many of you know about Bill signing S-937? Go ahead. Raise your hand if, if you know about this bill. Um, this was the COVID-19 Hate Crimes Act. Okay. Now, <laughs> many years ago, um, yeah, I was going to be a crack, crack reporter, right? That's kind of what this show is all about, right? <laughs> some ways um so on thursday may 20th which was like last week the president signed into law s-937 it's called the covid19 hate crimes act which in the short version is what it means it requires the justice department to to facilitate expedited review of hate crimes uh, and authorizes grants to state local and tribal governments to prevent address or respond to hate crimes okay so that sounds all great right all great and everything uh we we need to make sure that there's more money out there to address hate crimes legislation right now what i find funny or rather fishy <laughs> is it's called the covid19 hate crimes act okay so the covid19 hate crimes act uh, just so you know, and and I'm being I'm gonna be very um, what's the word? Uh, I'm I'm going to um, I'm I'm going to be um, how do I say this? <laughs> I'm I'm trying to be polite. There we go. Okay. So first of all, the sponsor of this bill is a flaming liberal. I mean. 
we're not talking like um like just a mainline liberal like a democrat from of old we're talking this was written by as many in the, in the, on the right and i'm i'm not saying this to be mean i'm just saying this is her nickname it's crazy Maisie. Uh, Hirono, or however you say her name. She's the junior senator from Hawaii. And if you watch the, the confirmation hearings of um, the new Supreme Court Justice Amy Coney Barrett, then what I can tell you is if you watch Crazy Maisie during that hearing, oh my gosh, you would have thought that she was nuts. Seriously. And I'm not saying this to be mean. This is, this is actually common knowledge. That's who wrote this thing. All right, and from, jeez, <laughs> from, oh, from the title of it, COVID-19 hate crimes. Now, let's just think about that just for a minute, okay? As Janet Parshall would say, let's put on our thinking cap and look at this just for a second. This is why I'm bringing this up because this is important, okay? Now, I don't know about you, but when I read the title COVID-19 hate crimes act, this is what I thought before I read anything about this bill, Okay. What I thought was, oh my gosh, um, you know, people are, are, are becoming victims of hate crimes because there's some people who won't wear masks out in public. And then there's some people who are like anti-vax or they're so pro-vax that they want to kill anti-vax people, right? And so fisticuffs have broken out in the world under COVID-19 because of the fact that we've all been isolated and, and manipulated by the media to wash our hands a lot, to wear a mask and get vaccinated after the fact, right? That's what I thought, okay? Now, I don't know if I'm the only one that thinks this way when I look at stuff like this. But that's what I thought. I thought COVID-19, Hate Crimes Act, all the hate crimes that have happened in Walmart when you walk the wrong way because it said walk only this way, you know, <laughs> all, all the different things. Don't you buy more toilet paper than you're supposed to or else I will kill you, you know. And don't be like taking all the gas either because you know what, you know, we got people on the edge here in America, you know. I mean, we got cra we got parents who are about ready to kill themselves because their children are at home all the time. We have children who, who want to kill themselves because they're at home all the time with their parents. We got people who work from home who wish they didn't because they have to be at home with their spouse because they can't stand their spouse. That's why they go to work. We have all this other stuff going on, all the stress of 2020. It's crept into 2021. And don't even get me started on all the assisted living stuff a lot of us had to deal with, right? COVID-19, hate crimes, I could totally see it going together for that reason, right? That's what I think. But you know what? That is not what this is about <laughs> at all. <laughs> this bill has nothing to do, absolutely nothing to do with COVID-19. It's law, no. And, well, it's, a, yeah, that's what I mean. So, but, so here's the thing, though, and I'm, I'm going to be... Um, I'm not going to read this this whole thing. In fact, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll read part of it, but I'm not going to read it all because you guys can go look this up and read it for yourself. There's a part in this bill that I want to draw your attention to, okay? And I'm going to go ahead and, um, well, I'll first read this first part, okay? So it says here, um, 
Uh, section one, short title. This act may be cited as the Khalid Jabara and Heather Heyer National Opposition to Hate, Assault, and Threats to Equality Act of 2021, or the short version, Jabara Heyer No Hate Act of 2021. Okay. Of course, the law was titled COVID-19 Hate Crimes Act. Right. But they're, okay, yeah. But this is inside the other the, the, one. The bill that became the bill. law. What I just mentioned is inside the bill that came a law. It's HR 2383. It's called the Habara Hire No Hate Act of 2021. Now, I did some research because, you know, it's what I do. And uh, I thought, uh, first of all, I, I shut down the wrong page, but I, I, will, sh I will share. <laughs> Randall, I think I've shut the page that I was supposed to be looking at. No. Where did it go? Oh, yeah, here it is. Okay. First of all, back to the COVID-19 Hate Crimes Act. Okay. Yeah, the Jabara hire became Section 5. Okay. But first, here is, um, I'll just read the first part of this, okay? Then you'll know what, what they're trying to sell you in this in this thing. Okay. So Congress finds the following. One, following the spread of COVID-19 in 2020, there has been a dramatic increase in hate crimes and violence against Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders. According to a recent report, there were near, nearly 3,800 reported cases of anti-Asian discrimination and incidences related to COVID-19 between March 19, 2020 and February 28, 2021 in all 50 states and the District of Columbia. During this time frame, race has been cited as the primary reason for discrimination, making up over 90% of incidences, incidents. And the United States condemns and denounces any and all anti-Asian and Pacific Islander sentiment in any form. Roughly 36% of these incidences took place at a business. More than 2 million Asian American businesses have contributed to the diverse fabric of American life. More than 1,900,000 Asian American and Pacific Islander older adults, particularly those older adults who are recent immigrants or have limited English proficiency may face even greater challenges in dealing with COVID-19 pandemic, including discrimination, economic insecurity, and language isolation. In the midst of this alarming surge in anti-Asian hate crimes and incidences, a shooter murdered the following eight people in the Atlanta, Georgia region, seven of whom were women and six of whom were women of Asian descent. And I'm not going to read the names because I'm going to butcher all of them. But they're here. Um, and then it says, The people of the United States will always remember the victims of these shootings and stand in solidarity with those affected by the senseless tragedy and incidents of hate that have affected the Asian and Pacific Islander communities. Okay? So, in short, um, Crazy Maisie wrote this bill and... The COVID-19 Hate Crimes Act, in short, is about what I just read, right? It's about this amazing surge of, of hate crimes against Asian people and all that. Why? Because China! Oh, sorry, that was, that was kind of a Trump... Well, anyway, because the, the, the virus allegedly came from China, right? Uh, what are our, one of the nation's biggest enemies, by the way? <laughs> All right. If you keep reading this thing, like Randall said, 
Section 5, it's titled the Jabara Hire No Hate Act. All right? So I was wondering, what the heck? Okay, so who is this Jabara, this Jabara and Hire people? Who are these people? Um, I've never heard of them. In fact, I haven't heard of any of this stuff. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to do some research on this. I'm going to look up who these people are. Um, and, and here's the truth. This is what I was looking for when, um, when I did the research. I was looking for the LGBT connection because Crazy Maisie, the woman that wrote this thing from Hawaii, um, she uh, is extremely pro-gay. Obviously, Hawaii is very gay. <laughs> Not because people are going there, um, you know, to have fun on the beach, but it's a very gay liberal state, right? Um, and we are right here on the cusp of Gay Pride Month, and I'm just waiting for the proclamation to come out. It's gonna, it's gonna come out. It will come out for sure. But again, who are these people? That's what I was wondering. So I did a Google search on both of these people's names, and what I found was shocking. Um, so here's, here's basically the short of it. So there was a terror attack in, on August 12th, 2017. It was considered, uh, the Charlottesville car attack. It was actually deemed a terrorist attack. What happened was this guy, James Alex Fields Jr., he deliberately drove his car into a crowd of people who had been peacefully protesting the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville, which happened to be a neo-Nazi and white supremacist rally. Okay. Um, when this guy drove the, his car into this crowd, a person got killed, unfortunately. I mean, that sucks. It, it's, no, it's not cool when anybody dies. But the woman that got killed uh, was the woman named in this act, Heather Heyer. So Heather, um, uh, the cause of her death, according to this, is blunt force trauma to the chest. Yeah, because she was ran over, basically. They, she got run over. Now, who was she, though? She was, um, um, she was a graduate of William Monroe High School in, in Virginia. She's a white Caucasian woman. She worked as a paralegal, a bartender, and a waitress. Um, and she didn't have a background in law um, in any way. Anyway, long story short, she lived at home with her dog, her friends described her as a passionate advocate for the disenfranchised who was often moved to tears by the world's injustices and said that she spoke out against inequality and urged co-workers to be active in their community. According to her mother, Susan Bro, and that's B-R-O, uh, Hire would ask people of opposing views why they had come to their beliefs. And Bro, Bro said that they, they both advocated for Black Lives Matters which bro said fights for equal treatment. Well, actually, <laughs> Black Lives Matters was started by two lesbians, just in case you didn't know that. Okay. Um, anyway, a quote, if you're not outraged, you're not paying attention. That was Heather Heyer's last published post on her Facebook page. And, um, and here's the interesting thing at the very end of this. It says, Hire and a longtime friend of hers had agreed not to protest the rally because they thought it would be too dangerous. But the night before the protest, she felt compelled to go, which was tragic. And this is tragic. She was 32 years old when she died. Uh, just a baby. I mean, by all, you know, I mean, she, you know, 32, that's young. But 
in this 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 act the text of this jabir hate uh no hate act of 2021 we're led to believe somehow that this is all tied into COVID-19 and um, Asian discrimination. This had nothing to do with that. This had every, I mean, her death, as unfortunate as it is, it was not a hate crime against her personally for anything that she did, okay? It was actually someone driving their car into a neo-Nazi rally. Someone yeah. that would hate, you know, kind of the other side of the extreme, you know. Right. So now let's look at the... Unite the right, which sort of <laughs> the left, but they're not really. There's a diversion, different diversion left. Now anyway. let's look at the other part of this, okay? So I continued to dig around. I thought, oh, who's this other guy? Who is the other name in this thing? Who is the Jabara family? And this is what I found out. Now check this out. I think you might uh, find this interesting. Uh, there's an article titled, Man Accused of Hate Crime, Murder Goes on Trial and Neighbors Killing. Uh, and Randall, actually, I am going to send you a link here. Maybe you can throw this up so you can see this picture. I want you to show a picture of this family here. Just take me just a second to throw this over to you. But um, this is interesting. So it says here, uh, members of Tulsa, Oklahoma family are hoping they will finally see justice after years of feeling the system let them down, ignored their pleas for help to keep a racist neighbor from killing their son. Stanley Vernon Majors is set to go on trial Monday on hate crime and first degree murder charges in the death of Khalid Jabara, 37 years old. Majors walked up to the front steps of the family porch and shot and killed Jabara on, in August of 2016. Okay. You can see the picture there. If you scroll back up, there you can see the guy, the killer, and, and the, the young man there that was killed. Okay. Um, so it says here, um, the Jabara family spoke to CNN in September about the fatal shooting. A killing, they say, was fueled by hate. It was a violent act. The Jabaras never said they should have, that sh never should have been allowed to happen. They told police about a barrage of racist taunts coming from next door, but said the hate persisted. They, they got a protective order to keep majors away, but said nothing changed. They complained he wasn't complying, and then he allegedly ran down Khalid's mother, Haifa, with his car. Majors would stand on the adjoining property line, their lawn or their driveway, or on their quiet Tulsa suburban street and shout that they were dirty Arabs according to the Jabara family. He called them Muslims and dirty Lebanese. He apparently had no idea they were Christians who fled civil war and religious persecution in Lebanon decades ago. Hmm. Bet you didn't see that one coming, did you? CNN reached out to the defense lawyer, Richard Collar, for comment, but has not heard back. And um, anyway, long story short, this killer, the killer of, of this guy, the kid, the, the uh, he's a kid to me, he's younger, um, the Jabara family, ended up dying in jail. Okay, he ended, he ended up going to jail. He ended up dying. So on the one hand, we have this, this noble act of the text, text HR 2383 thrown into the COVID-19 hate crimes bill uh, that they have been trying to get passed for five years, I might add. Um, 
this Jabara Hire No Hate Act of 2021 actually back there five years ago, they were trying to get this thing passed. Some, they sneak this in, right, to this COVID-19 bill that is supposed to cover just the Asian community in particular because we need more funding to look at hate crimes and, and how they're being reported. That's the tale that they're telling here. What I find fascinating is they, they basically, and this is not uncommon, that's why I'm sharing this, is they basically take, and the right and the left do, do this, so I'm not just bagging on the Democrats here. Both sides do this. They take relatively unknown crimes, right? They take these two people, which really, frankly, had no tie in whatsoever to the COVID-19 thing, and they stuff this into this bill. Um, and, and this is what this bill is for, okay? It's to provide incentives for hate crime reporting, provide grants for state-run hate crime hotlines, and establish additional penalties for individuals convicted under the Matthew Shepard and James Byrd Jr. Hate Crimes Prevention Act. Now, again, Randall and I, we have covered the gay lobby politics for a very long time. I mean, I know this subject very well. And Matthew Shepard, that is one of the biggest cons on American in the in the American media whatsoever when it comes to hate crimes, especially a hate crime against a gay guy, right? Um, his mom was used as a pawn. His mom <laughs> poor lost her son. But Matthew Shepard was not a victim of a hate crime because he was gay. He was doing drugs, and it was a drug deal, deal gone bad. It's been completely documented. Even people in that community have written books exposing what a fraud it was uh, and all that. And yet at the same time, the name Jesse Durkheising, which I know most of you don't know unless you've listened to me for a while and you've fallen this issue, the name Jesse Durkheising You'll never hear, and yet the brutality and murder of Jesse Durkheising was unparalleled to what happened to Matthew Shepard, which was being framed as a hate crime against all gay people, right? That's how all these things come in here. Jesse Durkheising was a young kid who was sodomized with glass bottles by two homosexuals, murdered, sodomized, and the liberal media covered it like, you know, let's say 1% to 5 gazillion percent with Matthew Shepard. If you look up the name Jesse Durkheising, you're going to barely find anything on it. If you look up Matthew Shepard, you're going to see a big, long litany of lies after lies after lies. Even Elizabeth Vargas from 2020 reported the, the Matthew Shepard thing correctly. And they threatened to fire her if she didn't recant it, basically. And they almost fired her of her job because she actually reported the facts. So my question is, why am I so like about this? Oh, I'll tell you why. Because in the end, when whenever anything is tied to hate crimes, the underlying thing in there is your religious freedom as a Christian. And, um, and I know this because I've been following this and this is part of the homosexual pride. It's part of the playbook. Look, anybody, okay, first let's say this. 
any crime that's committed against anyone could be deemed a hate crime, period, right? Crime by its very nature is evil. It's, it's, it's not, you know, people don't go, go around, you know, doing crimes, you know, because they're nice people. They, they go around committing crimes because they don't like people. Or they're greedy, selfish, you know, they come to kill, steal, and destroy. They're, they're uh, inflamed by the, the power, the, the father of lies, right? Um, but it's always attached to a special right, okay? And that's what this is really about. And, I, and I, I don't want you to miss it. Don't get lost in the emotion that they throw behind this. And you got to, of course, look at who's written this. Like I said, the woman, Crazy Maisie, she wrote, she wrote this. And she's a hardcore advocate of the LGBT lobby. So is our vice president. And so is our president. I think Bareface wants to say something. <laughs> yeah, I just hope you're getting to, well, okay, now this thing's law. What does this law do other than recognize some names and some crimes? Well, go ahead. Tell us. All right. Well, it establishes uh, new departments to investigate and um what, what's the wording here uh uh agency uh, what okay establish a unit specialized in identifying investigating and reporting hate crimes in every state and calls for a semi-annual review of the law enforcement agency in every state uh how they're doing in um identifying investigating and reporting hate crimes and that sounds well and good from the Asian point of view, or you know, any kind of racially motivated thing. That's just the mask. Yeah, but but now it's establishing at the state right. level puppets of the federal government to investigate, uh, to identify, identify, investigate, and report hate crimes. Yeah. Uh, which so when so when you know reading your bible becomes a hate crime or <laughs> like in canada well you believe your bible if you believe your bible today yeah and you obey it that i mean depending on what state you live in yeah then then right so now it establishes this inf federal infrastructure of prosecuting hate crimes basically so that as new hate crimes are introduced then there's a you know a more nimble way to to prosecute that you know we were covering one year ago almost one year ago to the day bible news radio covered the trace act you remember what that is right okay mm -hmm. hr 6666 yeah so you got the trace act now you got the COVID 19 hate H crimes bill so the trace act is basically literally where they're tr where they're following you around and and basically they're, 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 it's written that they can literally come in and take you away from your family for any reason whatsoever. And I know you're thinking, what? That's nuts. It's blatant. We're living in dark days, everybody. This is, this is not made up. Randall and I are not alarmists by any stretch. In fact, I'm probably one of the most conservative people on the planet. It took me years to begin to see certain things like I don't want to see. God put me in this classroom 17 years ago to begin looking at this stuff and training me in this stuff. Um, and it's, it's chilling to me because the media does so good at going, hey, 
watch over here. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. While all over here, this hand, they're taking away all your rights. The Patriot Act that George Bush signed into law uh, after 9-11 took, took place, that was sold to us as, well, we need every uh, government agency to be able to communicate with one another directly. We don't need to go through cut red tie and everything, blah, blah, red tape or everything. No, what that act did was it, it basically gave them free reign to violate your privacy on everything. Um, and Christian media, Janet Parshall in particular, hammered that thing like it was such a good thing way back in the day. Um, and, you know, it's funny and I'm going to say this, it's funny to me that um, that one of the big stories this week, which, I, which I'm not going to cover, you can go look it up, is that um, there's a new Bible, right, that's supposed to be coming out. And I think I actually did cover it. Uh, I, think Lee, I think it's Lee Greenwood's song, um, um, God Bless the USA. I'm proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free. You know, that song. Um, anyway, him and some other people, they put together this Patriot type Bible. Um, they wanted to do it in the NIV version. And now they've gotten some kickback because of e evan evangelicalism and nationalism and they shouldn't go together and blah, 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 blah. Well, <laughs> I'm thinking... People are all upset. They're like throwing a hissy fit over this. I'm thinking, okay, well, there's been the Patriot Bible. I actually have one over here on my shelf. David Barton from Wall Builders, you know, promoted it a long time ago. And um, it's no different than, you know, putting biblical history you know, American history into the Bible to show you this is how the, the nation was founded, right? Well, the evangelical world is nuts in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a short word. The, the, and I know some of you support this and I and ask you for my, just please forgive me because I know a lot of stuff you might not know, right? And <laughs> I say this, I will, okay, I will say this. I've gone from hardcore right-wing extremist, okay, just being honest, to are you kidding me? I cannot believe I was hardcore right-wing extremist at one point in my life. It was when I was blinded by the activism and stuff and when Jesus, frankly, wasn't first. And that's, that's where my point is leading here. Earlier today, I was in a, a Bible study type meeting. And, you know, one of the things that came up at the meeting was, what are some things that hinder you from reading the Bible or that can trick us into not, not reading the Bible? And one of the things I said was Christian media. If you, uh, let me give you a, a quick history of Christian media, okay? So in the olden days, when Christian media was first born, Christian radio in particular, what did they have? They had pastor's sermons on Christian radio. That's all it was. If you go back to the newspapers, and you can do this online. I, use, I love looking up newspapers from 100 years ago, 100 years ago to the date. One of the, the things that you'll find in these online newspapers is sermons that were printed up in the paper. They were put in the paper every single week, the sermons. Um, in fact, it's fascinating because... When the nation of Israel was reestablished in 1948, 
If you go back and you look at newspapers prior to 1948, you will not see Israel in them because Israel didn't exist. There was talk of it, but it wasn't there historically. Um, the gospel was printed in American papers all the time. You can go back. You can literally go to uh, the Library of Congress, loc.gov, I think it is, and you can look up the archives from these newspapers. Fascinating thing. Well, then what happened was, and this is the thing that cracks me up. A lot of people don't know this. So you got Pastor Sherman. So then talk radio kind of started to come into play where you had Christians coming on and began talking about the news of the day, you know, from a cultural worldview. Nothing wrong with that. Christians need to know how to live in a world, right? And, and live our faith because many people were raised in the Catholic faith or in my mom and dad's generation where they said, hey, you know, keep your, keep your religion at home. You know, we don't talk about this stuff, right? We don't talk about religion. We don't talk about politics. How many of you have heard that, right? I don't think, is there anything else but religion and politics? That's what we want to talk about. And the Yankees. Ah, okay. Anyway, but, um, so, so that's that both was religion and politics. So then, so then we get kind of talk radio. One of my earliest Christian influences, because I was a baby Christian in 1982, 83, around that time. Uh, Rich Bueller on um, on um, KBRT. It was the AM station in Southern California. Talk from the heart. That was Rich Bueller. He was my very first radio influence. After that, I ended up getting really hooked into Greg Kokel and Stand to Reason. I learned how to study the Bible and do Christian apologetics because of Christian radio. And also Hank Hanegraaff, who was the second Bible answer man and who is, in my opinion, gone off the deep end today. But whatever. Walter Martin was dead by the time I, I got to that thing. But here's the thing. Slowly after this came about, Christian music started to give birth beyond the gospel stuff, right? The typical second chapter of Acts or the, the other stuff, you, you contemporary Christian music essentially began with the second chapter of Acts, Michelle Pilar, Amy Grant came in, Michael W. Smith came in, and then a number of these other people. And that was kind of the baby birth of the contemporary Christian music world. And then after that, we have Christian publishing that came in and the rise of Christian novels and fiction, Christian fiction. A lot of people think or don't know that the Christian fiction world is a relatively young industry, right? I mean, it's, it, it, it's this whole thing. And then in the 80s, Jerry Falwell uh, was part of the... I forgot. Moral majority. The moral majority, yes. And Dr. James Dobson. Right. So Dr. Dobson came in with Focus on the Family, which was a Christian based radio show. And they they um, went off with like Adventures in Odyssey for Children. And they had Brio and Breakaway. And they had, you know, this whole family oriented thing. How how do we raise Christian family? Dare to discipline, you know, love must be tough. All these books Dr. Dobson did. Um, and then, of course, as time went on, um, Jerry Falwell, um, 
D. James Kennedy from Coral Ridge and others, they decided, you know what? Hey, we need to take America back. So when Reagan became the president, that was when all this start stuff started to come in was because the moral majority were getting out there and they were trying to get people to vote in line with biblical values and principles. So what they do? They made value voter guides and they rallied the troops in the churches and they got people to vote in alignment with their biblical worldview. Now, is there anything wrong with that? No, there's really nothing wrong with trying to motivate uh, people in a free country to live in a way that's in accord with the word of God, where it's gone way off the board is... And, and this is what I saw, and this is why I'm cynical, uh, or maybe seasoned is a good word. Um, what happened was all these people began to then get ushered into places of high power, like the president's office, the Oval Office, or they'd be invited to serve on a committee for the United Nations on behalf of the president. Janet Parcel was one of those, um, and other things, okay? And so, <laughs> so, you know, some of these people would say something like, well, you know, the Bible does say that God will give me words in that day when I stand before princes and kings, right? And America, this is the equivalent of that. We're not in England, like, you know, where they actually have a queen. But, you know, we're in America where the president is like, that's it, right? And they would look at that and go, hmm, wow, I'm here representing Jesus, you know? Um, and yet, at the same time, the devil is, is crafty. When all that stuff is going on, you know it's lost? Discipleship. Discipleship is lost. True biblical preaching is lost because we also had in here, if you're as old as me and most of you are, um, way back in the 80s, the big fight within the church was worship music, right? Most churches had hymns prior to that and then when the birth of the christian worship music thing oh we, we need contemporary no we need to do a church service for this and that blah blah and you know exactly what i'm talking about because your church went through it and then bill hybels and rick warren and all those dudes they started the seeker sensitive movement and bill hybels has since been outed as a scoundrel i guess is a nice way of putting it Rick Warren, his theology is completely unbiblical with the purpose-driven life. This is where you had your guerrilla marketing come into the church. And that was the simple way of saying, okay, hey, let's go ahead. We'll get the publishing house to print up 5,000 copies of the purpose-driven life. We'll have Rick go ahead and give it to every member in his church. They can all go write reviews on Amazon or wherever. And then all of a sudden, it's a New York Times bestseller. And it's also an Amazon bestseller. And all of a sudden, this is the most amazing book in the world because it's sold all these copies well most people don't realize that in the, in the, you can make i can make any book a bestseller on amazon okay so when anybody says that their book is a bestseller on amazon i just laugh okay because you could just buy all your books and do that i mean it's it's stupid but the guerrilla marketing tactics completely worked right and so then mega pastors became the thing and i've had a number of mega pastors on my show i've had robert jeffress on my show uh well i just had um um oh my gosh what's his name the interview to the daughter you interview yeah 
Lou Giglio? Lou Giglio. I've had him on our show. I haven't published the interview yet, but I've had him on my show. Um, you know, I've, I've had big name pastors, okay, on my show. And the reason that they're big name, aside from the fact that they become mega churches, is at least in the world of publishing in the Christian world, they often have a ghostwriter to write the book, number one. And then they distribute it to their large audience to get the thousands that they need. No big deal. They get the pre-canned reviews because everybody's, oh, this is my pastor. It's such a great book, you know. <laughs> and you and you can make anything anything. That's my point, right? Meanwhile, my husband's written a great book called Lumen Me. Nobody knows who he is, but it's a way better book than a lot of the other stuff that sells, which is why I don't interview a lot of people. But the corruption and the ease into the deceit away from Jesus, very subtle, highly effective. And this is where it really came home to me um, as a broadcaster and as somebody who does this. Because I've always felt like, well, hey, how come I don't have, you know, the audience that, you know, whoever has and, and, and all that? Well, it's because I'm not part of the paid evangelical machine, Right. That's one thing, but I'm also not, I'm not bought and paid for. I'm not going to get behind this mic and, and tell you something I actually don't believe. And I'm not going to support somebody I actually don't believe. So a couple of years ago, when Mike Huckabee ran for president against President Barack Hussein Obama at the time, okay, there was a meeting of these evangelical people they and I forgot what I forgot what it's called, but there's some stupid name that they call themselves. And they all went to this meeting and they voted. They voted on Mike Huckabee or Mitt Romney. Okay. Mitt Romney is a Mormon. He wears magic underwear. He is the father of gay marriage in America. True story. The man is a weasel. Okay, and he's no conservative. He's a rhino. Okay, but he's the father of gay marriage in America. Okay, so in Massachusetts, he was the very first governor to legalize gay marriage in his state. So the Christian right leadership, the pastors, all those nice Christian talk show hosts, all the influencers on the Christian that everybody loves to lift up and like, oh, I'm so great. These weasels all went in and they voted against Mike Huckabee, a Baptist, very highly regarded conservative governor of Arkansas to be president, right? They voted against Mike Huckabee. They voted for Mitt Romney. And I knew this because I know people in these, in, in these things. And they came back and they told me about it and they told me what happened. And, and then I saw evidence of it and, it, and sure enough, Mitt Romney lost the race to Obama because out of nowhere came Obama. To this day, we still don't know really who he is. I, I mean, he's a Muslim. That's obvious. But but you got to ask yourself why. And that's what I always come back to, especially when I'm talking about this, is why? Why? Okay? Now, you fast forward 10, 15 years from, from then, okay? And we have now the collapse. If you watch the Roy's report or any of these discernment places and part of me hesitates to call them that but <laughs> all they're doing is reporting to you all these 
great Christian leaders who are having, you know, sex affairs. They're now saying they're not Christian anymore. And I haven't even touched on the Christian music industry because the so-called Christian music industry is rife with drugs, alcoholism, um, you know, sleeping around. I mean, there's nothing different except Jesus on top, right? And that isn't discipleship. And so it's all been brought away from that. And, and, and I just have to say that, you know, we need to be very wise as serpents, right? And innocent as doves. And, and, you know, I've thought for a long time, why am I doing this show? Seriously, I've told, I've told Randall, I can't even count how many times, you know what, I'm going to give up doing this show. What's the point? <laughs> Why am I doing this show? You know, I'm not making any money at it, really. And, you know, and I'm making some people mad. But I'm doing the show, honestly, because God's called me to it. I can't not do it. Um, and my passion is still the same as it was in the beginning. Uh, it's just that I'm a little older now, and I know a little bit more than I did then. And my duty to warn, especially as a therapist, I'm very serious about warning people. Um, and so this is what I'm warning you of. Be very careful who you put on a pedestal in the Christian media world, number one. And number two, uh, at, you got to ask yourself, is this pointing somebody back to Jesus? Because if it's not pointing them back to the Lord and getting them into the word and making a disciple, then you need to shut it off, throw it away, and just chuck it, right? Um, I'm more convinced of that now than I have been in many years um, because, and it drives me crazy, and I think, and I'm very thankful some of you have stopped sending me stuff because every time I get an email from somebody, I'm like, I am not going to look at this. Okay, I don't care what Lance Wellno says. I don't care what some of these other so-called prophets say, because frankly, they're not really pointing people to Jesus either. And I know those are fighting words, but that's the fact. You go back and you listen and you, you pay attention to where they're turning your attention. And if it's not the Lord and his word, shut it off because it has nothing to do with Christ. You know, and I've said this before, if you have a Christless Christi Christianity, you have no Christianity because Jesus is the main purpose of Christianity, right? What he did. Um, and, and yeah, we have to be wise as serpents, innocent as doves. We have to know what's going on out there, but we also have to be very careful to not be deceived by what's going on out there because the father of lies is very, very wicked. He's winsome. He's beautiful. He's alluring. He knows what you want to hear. The gossip, the tickling of the ears, it's tantalizing to our flesh. You know, if it bleeds, it leads. Hey, I got to see what this is. You know, I mean, and this, this came so true to me when Randall and I were trying to do Good News Mondays years ago. We were trying to do just good news on this show and nobody would tune in. Nobody. I was like, nobody wants to hear any good news. And yet, all, all I would hear is people complaining. Oh, there's no good news out there. And I'd be like, hey, I'm here to meet the need. You know, let's talk about the good news. And nobody would tune in. I'd be like, but then if I put some, you know, like, you know, tantalizing headline, of course, everybody would click through. 
you know why not hey you know because because that's because we're fleshly that's why gossip is fun isn't it until you're the butt of it you know uh so it, it is um it, it just don't be deceived okay and and i have two other stories i want to cover before we end the show um uh, yeah, I'm not going to write. I'm not going to. I do want to go to the Kellogg's releases together with Pride cereal celebrating preferred gender pronouns. That story. Um, why is that? <laughs> this is over on foxbusiness.com. Kellogg's releases together with Pride cereal celebrating preferred gender pronouns. <sighs> it's ridiculous. Okay, so it says here. The Kellogg Company released a limited edition breakfast cereal designed to support the LGBTQ community and to promote a message that people do not need to fit in a single box when selecting pronouns. <laughs> the boxes are for cereal, not for people. Concept celebrates people. No matter who you are, who you love, or what pronouns you use, Kellogg's said in a statement, the product is called Together with Pride Cereal. Uh... Well, on each box, consumers will be able to obtain a tear-out together band to share and wear their pronouns, which includes representation for non-binary and transgender individuals. The concept is a collaboration with GLAAD, according to the company. Um, by the way, GLAAD stands for the Gay Lesbians Alliance Against Defamation, in case you didn't know. Our delicious new recipe features berry-flavored rainbow hearts dusted with edible glitter. Doug Van D. Veld, general manager of Kellogg U.S. cereal category, explained in a statement, for every box sold, the company said it will donate $3, up to $140,000 to support GLAAD. Uh, I just lost my, my paper. Yeah, support GLAAD when buyers upload their receipts. The cereal boxes began to hit shelves in mid-May in anticipation of Pride Month in June. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so... Where's the... Where are those voices coming from? Oh, it's a pop-up oh. probably on my sh on my thing. Did they go away? Yeah. Okay, yeah, it was a pop-up. Anyway, so, so yeah, you know, um, it's, you know, I look at this, and I just think it's stupid, you know. Boxes are for cereal, not people. I mean, the marketing is awesome. The devious marketing of this. No matter who you are, who you love, or what pronouns you use, you're too awesome to fit into a box. Isn't that all sweet and mushy and gushy? Ah, yeah, yeah. See, this doesn't even make me mad because it's so ingrained in our culture today that it's 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 like, come on, you can't come up with different something better than this, you know? Um, I mean, it 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 makes me sad, but it doesn't. I'm not outraged about it. I'm not gonna boycott like you know Kellogg's. First of all, I don't even buy cereal. I, I buy oatmeal. I'm boring. I'm an old person, you know. But you got to think, who's who's more who's most likely to eat sugary rainbow-colored cereal from Kellogg's? Children. Exactly. Right. So it's indoctrinating kids. Yeah, I know. And the parents who buy the cereal for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's that one and then there's this story from CBN News. Brits turn to a cult to contact the dead. Grieve pandemic losses invariably leads to bondage and suffering. Now, the only reason I brought this up is because 
Um, for a while there, I was doing a series on the cult. I probably should get back to doing that um, in my spare time. But anyway, it says here, a Christian group in the United Kingdom is warning of a rising interest in pagan spiritualism as more people turn to the cult to help them with their grief after losing loved ones to COVID-19. Premier Christian News reports the Baptist Deliverance Study Group. I thought, ooh, the Baptist Deliverance Study Group. Never even heard of this, and I'm a Baptist. I go to a Baptist church anyway. Uh, a body in charge of deliverance ministry has expressed concern as there has been a rise in people looking to contact the dead through mediums and say goodbye to loved ones. The Baptist Deliverance Study Group. I mean, I've never associated the Baptist with deliverance at all. You know, <laughs> no, no, like the vineyard, you know, yeah. the, the crazy charismatics out there, which we all are, right? We all have charisma in some way. Um, the Baptist group is advising that such rituals could open up a doorway to great spiritual oppression, which requires a Christian right to set that person free. The fact that people have often not been able to say goodbye properly, there's often been very limited contact at the end with loved ones and even limited numbers and funeral services, and therefore it stores a lot of unmet psychological needs in people. Reverend Jane Erlam from the Baptist Deliverance Study Group told PCN. I'm not going to read the rest, but I think you guys get the idea. <sighs> we live in very interesting days. Yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. So, um, so there you go. That's our show. That's all I'm going to talk about tonight. I hope that I hope that this helped you in some way. This was not my typical like lead in with a deep Bible study or anything, but it, it's it's important to me for you to know because I know a lot of you are new to this. Um, that if you really begin to start paying attention to what christian media is selling you it's everything but the gospel um and i would encourage you to step away from some of the christian media that you're looking at if it's not pointing you back to jesus because here's the thing the lord is coming back you know, the rapture of the church could take place anytime. There's nothing that needs to happen for that to, to not to, to happen. That can happen. It can literally happen any day, any minute, any second could happen. Um, you know, so we got to be ready. We got to be ready in season, out of season. We have to be careful to make sure our focus remains where it's supposed to remain. And that's on making disciples, being in the word, you know, this is the thing that, that, that I have to tell you, it makes me sad and happy at the same time. Uh, sad for most people in the church is that they don't have fellowship with other believers who are in the word of God every day, right? Because they've been lied to and they've been told, oh, you can just go to church on Sunday and go to Sunday school and listen to your sermon. And then you can live like the devil during the rest of the week and then go back to church and you're going to grow in your spiritual walk. And that's just not true. The research doesn't show that. And, and you would not treat your physical body that way. You wouldn't eat just one meal on Sunday and then starve yourself the rest of the week. You just wouldn't do it. But everybody does it spiritually if you're not in the word of God. So, so that is sad to me. Uh, it's sad to me that you got people turning to the cult to find comfort 
because of where their dead ones, their, their dead loved ones went. When the new research I just showed you last week talks about the number one reason why people read the Bible is for comfort. Right? And I can tell you I read the Bible more this year than I have in previous, I don't even know how many years. I'm not proud of that. But I think God's doing a revival, at least in certain parts of the body, um, to bring people back to the word, you know. And you want to know God? Read the Bible. Seriously. If you want to know God, read the Bible. If you want to know him even better, memorize it. You know, and I, you know, I, I have people tell me, well, I can't memorize. You know what? You can do anything you put your mind to. <laughs> you know, that's the famous mom quote, right? Everybody's mom has said that to him at some point. You can do anything you put your mind to. Yeah, you can. Hey, look, you know what? I just finished memorizing the fourth stanza of Psalm 119. I'm not sharing that because I'm great. I'm not. And honestly, to be honest with you, I didn't know if I could do it or not. But I didn't give up trying. It took me five months to memorize, or three months, three months to memorize the first couple stanzas. But now that I've kind of figured it out, what works for me, memorizing eight verses is not that big of a deal. It's like, oh, I could get this done in a week or two. If I focus on it every day, if I meditate on it every day, if I practice and repeat it every day, I'm going to memorize stuff. Um, it's no different than you listening to your favorite song or, or if you're, you know, you know, trying to figure out, you know, your favorite character on TV or, or, or whatever, you know, you put your interests where you want to put your interest. But here's the thing. If you're memorizing God's word, you're hiding in your heart eternal words because his word doesn't return void and it's never going to end. It's forever. Um, so, you know, um, that, that is my encouragement to you. And if you're in a fellowship group or ignite group with Pam Gillespie or with me, um, or, you know, anything, then keep being in a group because those groups can really strengthen you and they can change you and they can encourage you to go out and make disciples with other people. Cause, cause there's a hunger and a thirst. The Bible says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. There's a reason that the Lord put that in there because it's true. That's why. Um, so, so with that said, if you like what we do here and you want to partner with us, uh, consider giving a donation over at our website. It's we're a nonprofit 501c3. Um, and the donation would go to Heart Tug International, uh, which is our nonprofit that oversees Bible News Radio. You can give it a gift over there through PayPal or you can write a check, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, also, if you are an Amazon user and you want and you use smile.amazon, uh, Hearttug International is in there. So if you buy stuff through Amazon, but you'd have you'd have to designate Hearttug to be your nonprofit to go to, you could do that. You could put smile.amazon, then buy whatever it is. And, you know, I don't know, five cents or whatever it is will go to us right now. We got 95 cents there. Yeah, we do. Hey, every 95 cents counts, people. Um, you know, so if you consider putting us as the nonprofit, then, you know, even, you know, you can donate to us without even donating, quote, directly to us as well. So smile.amazon.com. That's what I said. I thought. 
Oh, you left the dot com off. Oh, I did. Okay, oh. smile.amazon.com. Um, so you can do that tomorrow night. Like I said, Michelle Pilar is going to be our guest. Uh, she'll be here live from her farm here in Nashville. And I'm looking forward to talking to her um, and, you know, talking to her about the Lord and what God's done in her life to untangle her. Um, and just remember, our goal here is to reach the hearts of people one verse at a time. God is calling his people home um, and he is offering encouragement to you tonight to come back to him. Come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and he will give you rest. If you're tired, go to Jesus. He'll give you rest. He'll strengthen you when you're weak, and um, he'll give you joy even in the midst of the hard times. I guarantee you that. Uh, so thanks for watching, and um, we'll see you tomorrow night. <laughs>